0: Hey guys, hope you guys have been having a blessed week so far, and today's topic is identity. Anam and I have been trying to touch on this for some time now, but honestly, it's daunting because it's a huge topic and we didn't really know where to start from. But more recently, we've been actually diving straight into it and learning much more than we ever thought we would. Um, The main question about identity, just to kind of like set the stage, is where does our identity come from or originate from? And I guess a lot of people, including myself, have this idea that our identity is in some of the things that we own or maybe even in some of the ways that we look. Um, Other people have these kind of like educational goals that they think will give them a sense of self-worth. Others' financial situations and job placement gives them their identity or their ideal identity. But right now as we've been kind of progressing through our understanding of what an identity is and where it comes from we've been realizing that those are all good things to like you know pursue in life and such and have a good understanding of but they are not the they're not the origin source of it all and so in today's podcast we're going to be touching on some of the things that we should keep in mind when it comes to scriptural or biblical identity something that's given to us that's unshakable and some and ways that we can live that out in real time
1: and honestly if we think about it we don't really choose our identities um oftentimes culture is what kind of gives us an idea of what we should be aiming for a standard or an ideal and oftentimes it is imposed on us and we're kind of like unconscious about it or not aware of it um for instance like you were saying we need other things to validate us like if we don't have certain degrees or if we're not making a certain base salary or Mm. if you know um we uh don't have like a certain type of car or house or whatever it may be it's always this comparison thing um and the thing is is if you really think about it you kind of start to have this mentality that you have to earn your salvation you have to justify your existence because what happens when you can't get those things or you can't aim for that degree or salary um well then what then how do you justify your existence or your life um if let's say we're putting a lot of our identity and self-worth into those things so um technically you do have to perform. It is a lot about performance when you hyper emphasize those things.
0: Yeah. And, and now I'm kind of already mentioned this, but like the thing about performance is we're always looking at something to validate our existence, right? But that's kind of like looking at an idol and what scripture says about it in Isaiah 44, 9 through 10. It says, I'll read it. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol which can profit nothing? And it goes way deeper than that, and I definitely suggest reading Isaiah 44 for yourself, but like, at some point it speaks about the fact that like, you use materials to cook and to organize your life, right? and then you use those same materials to create these abstract objects, let's say a car, right? I mean, we're obviously not using, but uh, I'm not creating a car, but the point is we have this car and then we worship the idea that, wow, it's bringing so much more value into who I am and I'm so much more, let's say, appealing to the public and to even myself because now I own this thing. But Isaiah 44 specifically expresses this idea that, bro, you are literally worshiping something you cook with, that you use on your in your daily life. It's not an actual God. Why are you putting it on this pedestal where it doesn't belong? But we often do that. We fall into this idea that as soon as we have this thing, or if we have that salary, that base salary that she was mentioning prior, we've made it. and And we kind of all heard the cliche that once you make it to that. You you want more. The, if you become the second richest person is what I've kind of heard in my philosophy class. If you become the second richest person in the world, what do you want to become? You want to become the first. And if you become the first, you don't want to just stop there. You want to be the first by a huge margin. So there's always this ever scaling or ever growing pursuit of being the best. And when we have idols such as those, That, it's an exhausting battle to take on.
1: So how should we be looking at identity then? We have some verses here that you can consider. Uh, The first one is from Psalm 139, 13 to 16. And it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from me when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So what is David saying here about God and how God created us? And for me, what I'm getting from it is that we were made intentionally. Um, The way that God made us, it was intricate purpose-filled with a lot of intention and care Mm. and the dating aspect i mean i've dated once in my life and it required so much time and effort and i didn't realize how hard it was but that imagery kind of gives us an idea of like again the intentionality that god had behind all all of who we are Mm. he didn't just throw us together there was a lot of thoughtfulness to it and another thing i want to highlight here is that david is saying we are wonderfully made which basically kind of lets you know god did a good job when he made us right mm. and so when we think about that and we think about the things that we're struggling with like comparisons and ideals why not go to the person who created us who again knit us together who was intentional about us and ask him of as to what we should be doing what is our purpose where god where should i get my sense of self worth mm because when we're going to these comparisons, you don't necessarily have to compare yourself to another person, but by having a standard or an ideal and kind of like hyper-focusing on it, it is it is a type of comparison. Because if you don't let's say get that salary, are you worthwhile or not, hmm. right? And so oftentimes we're asking others um, or we're again comparing ourselves to these standards ideals to give us a perception of who we are, to give us this sense of self-worth and identity but here, I think what David is saying is like, n- not like what David is saying, but like he's just illustrating God made us. So then it, it, to me, it's like, why not go to him?
0: Hmm. Right? And the thing is like, we can't even necessarily like trust ourselves. He In the verses that you were reading, it literally mentioned, and I had a ton of imagery going on in my head of, I mean, I specifically like cars a good amount. Um, Not to say that I'm hyper focusing on it, but like. I thought of a chassis of a vehicle, and I thought of how we were probably designed in a in the most amazing way possible. And the person who knows us best isn't the person who necessarily, like, let's say, drives the vehicle, but it's the person who created the vehicle. And I just think that that means that in any instance, I should go. I should go back to the person who made the vehicle as opposed to the person yeah. who thinks they completely own it so to continue going with the whole comparison thing i think a lot of the reason that we want to focus on some of these outward things like i don't know cars finances and you know body image um there's like good functionality behind all of them but like anything that's like strained is likely a god or it's put on a pedestal and we do that because we're insecure i believe and we're trying to mask something because we want to be worthy, but we don't necessarily feel like we're already worthy. We need to do something in order to become worthy. And that's not that's not the, the biblical definition of our worth. We have worth, and anything from there on is just a growth opportunity and a relationship experience with God. And he, the crazy thing is in Psalms 23, he mentions um, that, when we mess up and we're often insecure because we feel we keep messing up, we're not at the mark that we like to be at. We look at this person or this ideal and we're like, now nah, we, we're constantly falling short of something. But in Psalm 23, it says that even when we fall short, God is pursuing us, right? And we were leading out a Bible study just yesterday and one of the people had mentioned that it's not only that God's pursuing us, that's, like, really good, and the version that we're reading from was accurate, but, like, Hebrew, the actual Hebrew behind it says, it's kind of, like, vigilantly pursuing. Um, He's, like, desperate for us. He wants us back, and he wants to love on us. And the Hebrew doesn't say this, but I'm putting my own spin to it. He wants to love on us. He wants to restore us. He wants to, he wants to redeem us from where we've been. And the thing is that we often do all these things, right? So we can become worthy for someone to pursue us. But what if the person who created you has already been pursuing you, has already validated your existence, has already told you you don't need anyone else because I am the end-all, be-all. I am the creator, and I'm telling you, you're worth it. What do you do then? Do you believe it or do you not? Do you walk in it or do you continue to put on an act for those around you for outward validation from people who are they're just humans? We're all flawed, and if you're looking at another flawed person to gain validation, it's, it becomes messy and complicated.
1: And to be honest, if we think about it, sin is a thing that has caused us to look elsewhere for our identity. We're not looking at God for it. So just going back to that verse is when you know that God made you in such an intentional and purpose-filled way, we don't have to compare ourselves. We don't have to think low of ourselves that if we don't reach that mark or if we don't reach that standard or if we don't have what the things that others have that we're not worthwhile. We, we shouldn't be doing that. We have to remember that we were made in the image of God. And what that means is we have dignity. God didn't make us in the, his image so that we don't have dignity. It's that we do. We are known and valued by him. And so, again, it's going back to the creator for your purpose. He's the validator, not people or culture or society. Tim Keller actually says this amazing um, phrase, uh, the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. And so that's basically, it reminds me of this thing of like, imagine some role model that you've been looking up to your whole life and they, they finally, like they just randomly meet you and say, Hey, I, I saw your work. Good job. And you're like, Whoa, that's, that's crazy. This is the person that I've, I've been wanting to, you know, just even be sometimes, we don't even realize that we want to be other people, but like maybe someone we want to be, or we're aspiring for. And they're saying that I'm amazing. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So now think about God and how much God actually loves us. God loves us more than anyone else ever will. And he's saying we're awesome. And so it just kinds of puts it into perspective that like the one who didn't sin, the one who created us, the one who is like vigilantly pursuing us Mm. is saying we're awesome Mm. right so god is the only uh, person or being whose opinion counts not anyone else's i mean it's awesome to be like yeah you know um my husband thinks i'm beautiful that is awesome to know but you know it's it's also like it's it's so much like validating to also know that god the one who created me sees me inside and out in ways that like my husband Mm. can't see me right um and he also considers me beautiful so that's where you know you can get that most possible like solid identity is is with god through him in him and and constantly like asking him for it
0: and what's awesome about what she's saying is and this is kind of where like the gospel comes in i mean the part of the gospel where Christ dies for us. He died for you before he even, like before you could do anything about it. So that means there are no actionable items that you can pursue that would undo his love for you. But there are things I think we can do to distance ourselves from him, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he stops loving us. And it's nice to know that he chose us way in advance. It's very, it gives peace. So the next verse we want to jump into is from the book of Jeremiah. It's chapter 18 verses one through five and I'll read them. And I think it's essential that we read it because sometimes it's just hard to flip out your Bible and stuff. But it says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in his hands. Marred means it's just a little messed up or it's not going as, you know, he thought it would go. Um, but. It says so the potter formed it into another pot shaping it as seemed best to him then the word of the Lord came to me he said can I not do with you Israel as this potter does declares the Lord like clay in the hand of the potter so are you in my hand Israel and obviously it's a parable first off so the context of this was specifically, obviously, geared towards Israel, but we can interpret this for ourselves. We feel that we've fallen off the path that maybe God's been wanting to direct us on. Maybe we've fallen away from God. Maybe maybe we just don't feel like the ideal human being or we've done things that make us feel shameful and incapable of addressing God. Or coming to God with the things that have been happening. But the thing is, he's saying, why wouldn't I be able to re-sculpt or redirect your path? Why wouldn't I be able to re-establish your life in my hands so that we could be together and so that you can find true happiness? And that's, and that's I don't know. I mean, for me, that's good news because that means anything I do, I can always come back to him. That doesn't mean that I should blatantly just disrespect... um Anything that he has set out for me and know that I could come back whenever I want. But it means that when I feel I'm in my lowest moment, he's there for me. And as soon as I turn to him, that's it. It's over. He's able to heal me. He's able to help me. And we're able to walk together away from the situation that I was in.
1: And I think what I like about that is that our free will is still intact. Mm -hmm. He still uses... The sins that we've committed, let's say, or the choices we've made that weren't good or even going in the direction that he necessarily didn't have planned for us. Mm. And he still uses it for good. He turns it around, mm. you know, as long as we're like, you really. know, leaning into him yeah. as well.
0: And um, I'm not entirely sure that I mentioned this too many times, but I am going to reiterate the fact that it's not because of anything we're choosing to do that he's willing To love us and accept us in our even most, you know, broken states. It's literally because he's given us value. He chose to love us in advance. He's given us this sense or this. I've had to talk about this a bit with a couple of people, but we have inherent value through God. It's imbued in us or to us. And that's not something that will ever escape us no matter what we choose to do, but we can obviously stop having a relationship with him, um, but he'll never stop actually pursuing us.
1: So the next verse we want to consider is Psalms 8, verse 3 to 4, and it says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? And for me, like, what this basically is, is saying is like, God, you are amazing. You're amazing for creating all these different things that we see. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, the sunsets and the sunrises and these snow-capped mountains and nature and the trees and birds and flowers and all this, again, amazing stuff that most of us, or if not all of us, are awestruck by. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, for me, when I go see sunsets here, it's just like, whoa. Like, this is the probably the most beautiful thing I've seen. And then I think about, wait based off of this ver- of these verses, God, you created me. Hmm. I consider all these other things so amazing and beautiful and then created me. And so I think about like, how how does God see me then? Hmm. Right? If I'm made in his image, like he's probably, like the way that I see the sunset is probably how he sees me maybe because I'm just like, hmm. dang, like this is just breathtaking or something. And it just makes me realize like, wait, I'm, I, I am really valuable mm-hmm. to him.
0: Um, what's beautiful about that is the fact that we're elevated than we're elevated higher than all of creation on earth. It mentions in verses five and six in, in chapter eight of Psalms that we're made a little lower than angels. but you have to understand that like that means, and not only that, but like the fact that he gave us dominion of everything on earth, that means that we have this, again inherent value, this worth. And we should acknowledge that what David was also getting at was the fact that God's, not only his creations are just so beautiful, but his power is so, I don't know, grandiose, I guess, that it makes us feel small in comparison to everything he is. When you look at the stars at night, or at least when I do, I'm just like, oh man, I'm a dot. Like that's (laughs) it on pavement. And I think about the fact that, and this is only like I have terrible vision and this is what I could see through my eyes. But like imagine how much more is out there and all the power that was needed to be able to create that. But he still holds us in this high value. And we often feel like we're super small, but we need to have this tension. And this is what tripley said in this podcast sermon that we heard. We need to be able to hold both hand in hand, this idea of he created us. In his image, we have worth, we have value, but we are also not God. So let's not pretend that we are. But it doesn't mean demean yourself. It doesn't mean that you have no value. It just means that you are worthy. You have dignity, inherent dignity that was given to you, bestowed upon you. Act and walk in that because you are who your father made you to be, you know.
1: So when we look at identity and the identity that God has given us, we have to understand that there was nothing that we can do to achieve it. Not, not any work, not any performance, nothing. It was given to us freely. We have to actually receive it. So in 2 Corinthians five twenty one, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what is it saying here? Jesus did not obviously sin, right? He's not sinful. But when he went on the cross, he was treated as if he had done everything we had done. He took on the punishment and paid the debt for us because he loves us. So when you accept Jesus and you ask the Father to forgive you in the name of Jesus because of what Jesus has done for you, we basically inherit this righteousness Mm -hmm. of God in Jesus. So just as Jesus did not become sinful, but was treated as if he had done everything we had done, we did not become righteous, but were treated as if we have done everything Jesus has done. Mm. So his regard, God's regard of us cannot go up and down based on performance or work or metrics. It's literally given to us and we just have to receive it. Amen. So why should we not continue to compare ourselves specifically to other people?
0: So for me, I think of this thing that we are all sharing. Like we all have this commonality of having God's image, all humans, right? And the thing about comparing is it destroys relationships around us because you're always needing to demean someone or like praise someone And when you praise someone, there's still someone being demeaned, um, depending on how you praise them. There is like, obviously, you could congratulate people. You could feel like, yes, thank, like, I'm happy for you, excited about it. But like, a lot of times, um, we can become jealous and not necessarily zealous for others. And we measure ourselves in comparison with some of the standards that they have going on for their lives. But... The thing is, because we're all made in God's image, right, we don't have to feel like we're lesser or greater than anyone else. And it is, again, it's it's not good to be comparing in the first place, but like in Matthew 5.22, it says, um, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, "Raka." is answerable to the court and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. And I guess just thinking about like, this is um, a heart situation. So like in the old Testament, it was probably more specific about the actionable thing of killing and Jesus is in giving a new interpretation to this or extending this idea that not only is it that you shouldn't be physically doing something to your brother But you should also not be harboring these feelings, these emotions of destruction towards anyone. And anytime you're doing a comparison, you are harboring these emotions of destruction towards either your brother or towards yourself in comparison with somebody you think is better than you. Um, And we want to try to stay away from that.
1: And this reminds me of another thing that Timothy Keller said, which um, is based off of this gift of grace. So like when we do receive... You know God's gift of of our identity, honestly, and of this grace that He's given us, and of His love. Um, what Timothy Keller says it it humbles you into the dust and lifts you up to the sky at the same time. Basically, he's talking about when you consider who God is and how He's made you intimately and intricately, mm. and then all the other things that He's made. You kind of are in awe. Like again, the, what you were saying. How little we are sometimes compared to everything that He's created, but then He, how high God lifts us up. So it's this. Uh, Timothy Keller talks about how it's this boldness and humility that are working together, yeah. that happens in the Christian identity. And when we have that, how we regard other people, how we treat other people, how we see ourselves in comparison to other people, it honestly, it starts to not affect us as much it starts to hurt less we start to feel less threatened or Mm. um we start to compare less so when we hear let's say someone's criticism of us um we aren't as maybe like uh, affected by it Mm. Um, when we can actually also appreciate the differences and opinions that someone has because now our identity is based in something solid Mm. we don't have to feel insecure we don't have to feel like we have to react to it we don't have to feel ashamed even Mm. so it's this thing of like our our sense of self esteem it's not coming from other people it doesn't have to we don't have to use other people to make to bolster ourselves up and we don't have to you know use other people to like just uh throw ourselves to the ground but now it's like we can be more open and and those relationships don't have to be destroyed now
0: and that reminds me of this verse in revelation and I'm not entirely sure um where exactly right now but like it was talking about all tribes, nations, and people um, exalting God and the Lamb. And he created us unique, but also there's this commonality of having his image. And it's kind of like all these different attributes, um, abilities, and you know differences that we may have are still within the range of like God's image. And we should never subject anyone to a lower category of, let's say, of what we perceive them to be because that's not true just because you have Let's say a different body type or a different skin color or a different musical taste It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not made in God's image and not deserving of dignity We need to respect those around us kind of like I mentioned about Matthew five twenty two, We need to love those around us for who they are and start trying to embrace who God created them to be But it's it's a journey
1: So to conclude, we hope that, you know, by highlighting some of these verses of who God is and how he formed you and how amazing he is and how it was nothing to do with you or your works or your performance, but you are, you are made in the image of God and you are loved and you are worth it. We hope that it can give you this sense of like, you don't have to make all those other things a super big priority that. Heavily relies on how worth it you are. All those other things are gifts and blessings that God has given us, and we all have different types of blessings and abilities and talents that we can pursue. Um, and if we can all use that to glorify God rather than use it ag- using it against each other, e- even using it in, using it against ourselves as though we're not good enough. That's not what God wants mm-hmm. here. So I wanted to highlight. Isaiah 44, verses 3 to 7. It's a little bit long, but I think it's really good to just read it because um, I just, I love how, what God is saying here. It says, But now this is what the Lord says He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave I gave Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Sibah in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And I think this is an awesome verse or or a couple of verses because it just shows us time and time and time and time again that God has showed up and showed up and showed up. And consistently shown us who we are, mm-hmm. that we are made by him, that he cares so much for us because he loves us. And that's where our worth and our identity should lie.
0: Yeah. So thanks so much for listening in today. And we're hoping we could do this again. I hope that you take into consideration some of the verses that we we're touching on, some of the experiential stuff that we've mentioned. And just know that you're beautifully and wonderfully made. Peace.
1: Bye.
0: <laughs> I like I like your voice, I think, a lot, actually. It feels very, like, comforting. deep, deep. No, but you have a comforting... I feel like,
1: hey, guys. Hey, guys. (laughs) No, I don't sound like that. Hey, guys, hope you're feeling blessed today. (laughs) All right. Give me a second. Ready? Ready? There we go. Hey, guys, hope you're feeling blessed today. (laughs)
0: is that really me because that doesn't i'm like hey guys hope you guys are feeling
1: hey guys
0: i think you can't do it because you don't have the base
1: yeah okay. i'm trying to create it You're try... Try... Hey guys. from the diaphragm
0: <laughs> here you <go. laughs> okay let's try this again <laughs>